Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Good afternoon. It's 10 minutes after one. Welcome to Life Happens. It's a Friday edition of Life Happens. Although today things are going to be slightly different, uh, we will be returning to the State Capture Commission that will be after lunch at about two o'clock where um, former Minister Malusiki Gaba will be on the stand. And so we'll definitely be bringing that to you live. But we start this way. And this particular conversation is brought to you by KZN Education. And this is on the back of the budget speech that was presented by MEC who is on the line this afternoon with us. Good afternoon, MEC. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon to you and to the listeners of SAFM, and uh, thank you so much for hosting us. Absolute pleasure. MEC, let's talk about some of the plans that you have for for education in KZN in the coming year. We know that it was a difficult year. You've spoken a lot about the impact of COVID-19. If you can round it up for us, how did COVID-19 derail some of the plans that you already had in the previous year? Well, the the impact of COVID-19 was really felt severely by our learners and the schooling system in general. Firstly, because uh, obviously it was a threat to the lives of both the learners as well as the educators. And uh, it led to the closure of schools and therefore the subsequent uh, loss of time um, for learners, uh, in particular those who were who are from rural and deep, uh, I mean in township and deep rural areas. And they suffered a lot because uh, they could not even do uh, the visual interaction or lessons, uh, which was an advantage for learners in, in, in urban areas. But also uh, the impact was around uh, the, the, the budget uh, mm. because we had to cut on some of the major projects that they wanted to roll out in order to fund uh, the COVID-19 essentials. As you would know that uh, there was no additional funding that was given to the department uh, to procure the PPEs and other COVID-19 essentials. So we had to reprioritize from within the baseline uh, of what we got in the past financial year in order to make sure that uh, our schools are a safe environment for learners as well as to educators. So indeed, uh, it was a disruptive, uh, it was a disrupted year, uh, 2020, but uh, we managed to try and save what was left of it, both in terms of um, uh, curriculum coverage and delivery. And uh, we think that uh, our schools performed fairly well under the circumstances with the metric class of 2020 performing exceptionally well in our view at 76.3%. Uh, so we are this year at the advantage of building on what uh, we we delivered in schools last year and therefore we are not expecting much of uh, of disruption in our schools. It's, it's a tough one, let me see, because we, we continue hearing, you know, the waves coming back. We are now talking about the third wave. I know that it's not necessarily at the moment felt in all provinces, but there's always this threat that we may have to shut schools again. And that debate continues. Um, and, 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 and on the back of that, you also have major plans um, in the new in the new year. Just talk to me about balancing all of that together. We are just holding our breath that uh, we will not be hit by the, the dead wave as uh, it is being projected in certain quarters uh, because uh, that, will, that will be devast- uh, devastating. Um, to lose more time uh, for learners uh, will really disadvantage them, not only for this year, but even in their future endeavors. You know, even now, the, the class of metric of 2021 is a class that did not cover everything in grade 11. So they, are, they mm. started the year, obviously, from, from on a back footing. Mm. And they have to cover what was taught in, in, in grade level 
and continue to catch up with uh, the curriculum uh, of grade 12. Mm. So if we lose again such uh, another time uh, during this year, it will spell disaster for this for the system as a whole. So we are hoping that it will not be uh, entering into any sort of a, of a third wave. But uh, we, we have said to our educators and learners that will obviously depend on how we behave ourselves as a people. Because if we lower our guard and um, not follow the, 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 the protective measures, uh, it will be possible that we can enter a state of a third wave. But if we follow all the non-pharmaceutical uh, measures that have been put in place by government, we should be able to avoid that. And we are hoping to avoid it so that we experience no major disruption in terms of our projects uh, that we need to roll out. Because any, 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 any third wave that we can uh, enter into uh, will result in us having again to spend more funds in, in the fight against uh, uh, the COVID-19 and protecting our learners as well as the educator. I mean, that, that's obviously out of many of our hands, and, and that is very understandable. But there are things that you, you want to target and, and sort out. You talk about modernizing education. <laughs> I love one of the quotes that you gave of, of how anyone who would walk in a hospital now as a doctor, having been away for maybe 20 years, would not recognize the environment. But in a classroom, they, they certainly will because so little has changed. You, you talk about modernizing the spaces, you know, whiteboards and so on. On. Um, w- will this kind of work, even if we had disruption of schooling, continue the imp- the improvement in, of instru- uh, infrastructure? You also talk about, for instance, pit, pit latrines and so on. Will that work continue even if children are not in class? We'll have no choice. I mean, there are things that uh, really are not an option for us to do. Uh, it's a must because uh, we, we move from the premiers that uh, our main client, which is a learner, should be equipped with skills and competences that will make him or her um, at the ma- I mean uh, that will make him or her be able to access the future econ- or the, econ- the opportunities that are provided by the economy of our country. As we know that every person in this world, uh, the intention obviously is to get employed at one particular stage or to pursue a particular business. But for us to live as human beings, we need to generate means to sustain our lives and livelihood. And therefore, if we are to, to make sure that we, we, we produce or build the future with a population that is well-skilled and uh, that has the relevant skills that will be demanded by the future economy, we have to build such skills now. That is why we are talking about modernizing methods of teaching and learning and governance. Because we have realized that um, if we continue the old way, we are indeed disadvantaging our learners. Because uh, let me make an example. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we will buy a textbook for this year mm-hmm. and the textbook will remain the same for the next two years mm-hmm. unless obviously it is reviewed and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yet the information changes on almost on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So if we continue the old way of uh, hard textbooks and, and things like that, it means that the learners actually can be, it will be possible for learners to learn something that is no longer true uh, because of the change information which they are not exposed to. That is why we are talking about the method of, of teaching that will be allow learners to be compatible with the current demands, but also to acclimatize with the ever-changing nature of information. We want to expose them into, into being able to innovate and, and be able to, to deal with complex uh, issues and challenges that we face as a people, but as a, as a, as a world at large, to solve complex problems. And you can't do that 
if you 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 continue in an old way of teaching with the chalkboard, with the uh, with the hard textbook, uh, because that will mean that we'll be left behind in terms of information. <laughs> so these are the things that we said are no longer an option for us. As a result, we want to turn our schools into these innovative hubs, so that when you put learners into the schools, you really get a product that can be able to to compete with the rest of their peers across the world. So we are changing our schools uh, into these what we call new generation schools, where, among other things, we seek to ensure that we remove all the chalkboards and replace them with interactive white uh, smart boards. We give educators, all of them, uh, iPads or laptops, so that they are able to plan their lessons online and be able to deliver them using online uh, uh, facilities. We are going to equip our schools with computer centers so that when learners uh, finish a lesson in a classroom, they can also be able to go and do further research online in a particular media or computer center. And the issue of science laboratories as well as digital libraries, those are the key features uh, of of, of what we call the, the new generation school. Obviously, the issue of infrastructure, uh, is key. Uh, you have raised the issue of um, pit latrines, mm-hmm. which are not only a hazard to the lives of our learners and educators, but they, they, they are dehumanizing. Um, they, are, they are really dehumanizing. In the province, we had identified 1,377 uh, in the past year, and 410 of, of those have been successfully eradicated. Uh, just over 500 of them are on the construction site and the rest will be completed uh, in, in, in according to our target before the end of year 2022 so that we have all our schools with proper ablution facilities. MEC, if you don't mind, I'm going to open the lines and, and maybe just open this up to people who are on the ground, maybe teachers, maybe learners, maybe parents of, of, of students, particularly in your province, and yes. you know to, t- to have some input on what they feel about the budget and also what they would love to see improve. 011-714-2006, as well as those WhatsApps can come through on 0614-104-107. Thank you so much for staying with us. I'm in conversation with MEC of, um, of Education in KZN, MEC Kwasim Shengu, who is also very open to take your calls on 011-714-2006. You can also send in those WhatsApp notes on 0614-104-107. MEC, thanks for staying with us. The, the question of, you know, improving the infrastructure in schools and, and bringing yourself uh, very close to, to what the rest of the world is experiencing at the moment, I actually think that students will take to this very, very easily. The question is, what are we doing for the teachers who are not necessarily, you know, um, as as of a, as the students actually with technology? Well, what 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 we're doing um, is that uh, we are also focusing uh, specifically on the on the training and upskilling of our educators. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I've put my foot down on is to make sure that the one person skills levy that uh, we charge every year the money that we derive out of that is spent wholly and fully on teacher development and training. Mm-hmm. Because it will be of no use to throw gadgets to, to the learners mm-hmm. who are still taught by a teacher who has not acclimatized mm-hmm. to the new ways of, of doing things in the world. Mm-hmm. So as we roll out this program, uh, teachers are pine- the training and teacher development is an integral part of it. Mm-hmm. On this day, we will be launching this program together with the Deputy Minister of Education in one of our schools in 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 in, in howitt in, in a township school mm-hmm. um and what we have done is that all the educators in that school have not only been given laptops 
but they've been trained on how to plan lessons using online facilities and how to deliver lessons using these online facilities, including the use of uh, these interactive smartboards. Mm. There will be no chalkboard in that school. All of them are smart, uh, white, interactive boards, and educators have been trained to, use, to, to, to do so. Ha. So before we throw the gadgets to the learners, educators must be trained. As you bring in e-education and, and we speed this process up, we also know that we've got um, energy challenges in this country and, and blackouts, what we would call load shedding, are regular. When you are solely dependent on this type of technology, what, what's our backup plan? Well, obviously, in some of the schools, uh, particularly the schools that we are, we, are, we are, the new schools that we are building, we are able to provide generators so that in case uh, of load shedding or power outages, uh, there is a generator that kicks in and, and, and learning is not disrupted. But also, I must indicate that these, these white uh, interactive boards uh, that, we are, that we are deploying to schools, they can also be used in a, in a case where there is a power outage. Uh, they, they, they have been designed in that way uh, using what we call the data protectors uh, to help in, a, in an instance where there is a power outage and uh, they, they know the data protector is not working. A teacher can use a, spe- a specifically designed pen to write on that what particular board so that teaching and learning is not disrupted. But we are hoping also that uh, as, as, as government, we should be able to solve the issue of energy crisis uh, in our country because it will disrupt uh, the strategic direction that we want to see. In terms of your province, uh, a, a big chunk of your province is also rural. So so let's, let's talk about how that's also going to it affects the students back at home who who energy is also a problem there data consumption is a problem there talk to us about that plan because you can set up the classroom and the school and yet the child still has to go back home where energy is is also a problem and and connectivity is a problem how are we going to mitigate that challenge it will be it we must concede that it will be a difficult one because we may resource schools both uh, in terms of uh, the gadgets but mm. also connectivity mm. but when a learner goes home mm. that's uh, that then they will find that there will be no connectivity mm-hmm. in the area and all of that mm. and there are instances where we will be working with the municipalities um like umsa to the municipality it has installed some wi-fi spots in in different areas of of, of, of umsa which helps our learners even to access uh, connectivity through those uh, Wi-Fi hotspots, but uh, we are we are indeed a province that is largely rural. Seventy uh, percent of our schools are in, in in rural areas as well as in townships. So we are hoping that as we gradually introduce uh, this modernized way of teaching and learning and governance in our schools, we'll go hand in, in I mean we'll go in tandem with the rollout of uh, of connectivity in the province, which is a program that is led by the Department of Economic Development. So we are working closely with them to ensure that. We don't uh, target different places. So when there's a connectivity, we follow that. We don't want to deploy uh, such gadgets into a place where there's completely no connectivity because it will be a waste of, uh, of resources. So we are working together with the, with the Department of Economic Development so that there's clear alignment of connectivity and what we deployed in our school. Okay. Mfanawetu is calling from KZN. Hi, Mfanawetu. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? Welcome. Thanks, thanks for calling. I'm well, thank you. Okay, thanks, thanks. And also, I would like to, to greet uh, the MSC for education. Mm-hmm. So, no, I thank MSC for, 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 for what, what a good, uh, I mean, what a good move. Because, you know, this has been a cry. Because 
as we have already alluded, that we are teaching in an old, old, old way in our schools. And even the learners that we are teaching, we are bringing them backward. Actually, we are moving them backward, even in the terms of technology, because you find that our learners are well clued with uh, the use of devices, mm. whether they are using mm. their cell phones or whatever. But now when you take them back to the textbook, which was even published or written 10 or 15 years ago, mm. so we find that the information that they are, they are, they are reading is already outdated. And you can even see that when you do your research, the, 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 the supervisors will even tell you that any article which is older than five years is no longer valid. So I think it's a good move so that learners will learn things which are current, not pulling them backward to, 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 to things that were done in, 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 in more than 20 years ago. So I think it's a, it's a great move. The only thing that I would like uh, the MEC maybe to assist mm-hmm. Because when you give these learners the devices and this, our schools these devices, the issue of theft, it, it, it's what is mm. pulling government backward. Because mm. you provide these devices to schools and mm. then the next day you find that everything is gone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we also give the learners these devices and they are being marked and all those things. I know that uh, we, we need not uh, focus on, on the negatives, but we need to focus on the positive. But we also have to raise these issues so that when, uh, when uh, the planning takes place, we, we keep these things in mind so that we make sure that uh, we don't also put our learners at danger. Because uh, yeah. the people, once yeah. they hear that uh, learners are giving devices, mm-hmm. they say, how are we've got the low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. in terms of uh, taking these devices or stealing these devices and mm-hmm. find that the schools are also mm-hmm. uh, are not properly secured. Mm-hmm. So I think the the, 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 the MEC may be in their plan. Mm. They must also look in all those things. I'm here to also hear that uh, they are going to push this thing gradually rather than just uh, do it in a, mess pro- uh, in a mess way, like giving all the schools these devices. So maybe you target certain schools and then you learn from the experiences on those schools so that moving forward you'll know that if we... We did this before, and then these were the challenges. Now, how can we mitigate mm-hmm. uh, such challenges? Uh, I don't want to steal uh, yes. uh, much time, but, but thank Thanks. you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you so much. MEC, I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be back so that you can respond to that before I take more of your calls as well. And I see also your voice notes, but let's do this first. It's one thirty. Let me go to Luanda Maome for the latest in headlines. At, at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. MEC Kwazim Shengu, MEC of Education in KZN, is with us this afternoon and he is taking your calls as well, 011-714-2006, as well as voice notes on 0614-104-107. MEC, you, that call before we went to the headlines, just talking about security, you know, it's all good and well and we've seen it a lot here in Gauteng where, you know, beautiful schools were built and well-kitted and then security was not adequate, as well as security for the actual learners themselves carrying these devices, MEC? The issue of security is really one of the challenges that is really derailing our progress mm. as a department and in building the future for our kids. And um, we have developed a view that uh, it will it will take the whole society and communities to protect the schools because uh, the measures that we put in place as a department uh, they seem not to be sufficient to deter these criminals uh, from targeting our schools. We, 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 we have even put security guards in some of our schools, and we have had instances where they are attacked and even killed. 
uh, so that a criminal can gain access. We, in one of the schools in Inganda, uh, the criminals could not get through the the, 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 the back bars of, of of the of the computer room. They then decided to break the wall itself in order to gain the access to to to, to the computer room. So our view is that unless the communities themselves stand up and protect the schools, unless they they, they stop being a market of stolen properties, will not be able really to achieve proper security for our schools. It will take each and every individual in the community to say. I will not sit down uh, while my school is being targeted. We request our community to give necessary information to police uh, so that uh, we can start making examples of people that are being caught uh, doing criminal activities in our schools. But with that as it may, we continue to make sure that we put all what we believe are necessary security features uh, in these schools and in, in classrooms, particularly where they house uh, these uh, um, uh, latest uh, developments, I mean, latest gadgets in terms of technology, because they remain a target. But uh, on our own, uh, we really cannot achieve uh, uh, proper security in our schools. We need communities uh, also to work with us in ensuring that these centers of institutional of, of development are protected by communities themselves. <laughs> MEC, you highlight the issue of proper guidance on subject choices, and I and I wonder what made you refer to that. What's the current status now? Where are the challenges? The challenge is that uh, at times learners will go to school just for the sake of, of, of going to school, and uh, they will not really be properly incubated and channeled into rat career uh, paths beyond the schooling environment. But we have also seen some of the schools doing away with gateway subjects such as math, physical science, in set for, mm-hmm. for, for an easy pass of mm-hmm. the learners. Mm-hmm. Um, you got 100% and all of those, but 100% of what? You then realize that there is no math, there, there is no science, there, is no, there are no gateway subjects. Is, let me just come in there, MEC, because isn't that part of the problem of the rewarding of schools that do well, where the assessment of how you define do well, sometimes it's in the uh, percentages, not necessarily the content of what it is that the students have selected? Mm, it may be, indeed, as, as we are correctly putting it. That is why now our focus is, is on content. <laughs> to say let's let's not just write numbers. Let's let's produce what is relevant for the economy. Let's give learners the, the skills and competencies, the knowledge base that they will require uh, beyond the schooling environment. So those schools that have done away with maths and, and physical science, uh, we have engaged majority of them to say reinstate this. If the problem is with a math teacher, let's deal with a math teacher. If the problem is with a uh, particular resources. Let's deal with that. But you can't have a situation where the whole school, uh, they've done away with uh, pure math and, and physical science. They've opted for what they, they regard as easy subjects. The same subjects that will not give these learners opportunities when they finish school. So that is why we're seeing the issue of, um, of proper career guidance and subject choices will become key if really our schools are to become innovative hubs. So, so when you then speak to educators and, and the heads of schools, how do you then, you know, define schools that are doing well? Because, you know, we, we come from a history where the numbers make sense. The numbers are what, what, what we talk about, you know, this percentage of, of, of passes, this percentage of marks and so on. It will take time for children coming in now with pure maths to do that, uh, that well if they're used to doing subjects that don't require maths. 
it, 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 it's going to be a, a, a tedious journey, yeah. but it's a journey that we are prepared to undertake. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as I said when at the beginning, ours is to give these learners what is necessary uh, for their for for, 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 for for their future. And uh, defining what 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 is good doing well, yes, yes. Should, should go beyond number. Yeah, uh, it should it should it should talk to content and the quality of path in those subjects. You know, one of the things that is worrying us is that uh, we continue to have our large numbers of learners at the same metric passing mathematics below 50%. Mm. And that's, that's in our view, it's a problem. Obviously, we understand that uh, there are a lot of socioeconomic conditions that uh, will, will, will impact on the performance of learners. But our, our target is that everyone must pass beyond above 50%. Uh, on any subject, and that's what defines a quality path in our in, in, in our view. The issue of community and parent involvement has been raised over and over again by by everybody, by NGOs, by all kinds of of quarters, and 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 I wonder whether there has actually been a study conducted, even maybe by yourselves, to understand what actually is going on in communities. You spoke earlier about devices being stolen and then not being able to be sold back into the community. There's obviously something that has gone wrong in our communities. There's a disconnect there where somehow what you're doing in the classroom is disconnected to what the you know the values of the community is what do you think is at the core of this what's gone wrong well we have not done any study in relation to that but um, my own suspicion is that um, there's really been a change in terms of the value system in our society and in our community a value system that um, give values education in search or rather in, in preference for easy money and opulence. Uh, that uh, you can get uh, away with um, doing wrong things in search for easy money, opulence and class materialism, even if you are not educated. Our communities, in our view, in my view, um, are besieged with that perverted value system where you, it is now easy to live uh, through wrong ways instead of living through education. Now, it is possible in communities to find that people who are well off, they can't show you a piece of, 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 of an education certificate that they, they hold, but they will continue to make more money, uh, to, to live large. And as they live large, these young people also get enticed by that particular life. And if that life is not anchored on education, it will even send a wrong message to these young people to say, you don't need education to live large or to live well. And this is the culture and the value system that is besieging our society. And therefore, it, it makes it impossible even for community members to not to value schools as institutions of development, but they treat them as places where you need to send a learner uh, if, so that uh, you keep them away from home uh, for a particular hours of a day. And then even when they are back, we have realized that parents, most of them, they don't even follow up uh, on whether the learner was in school, what is it that they covered in school. There is no active interest that is taken by parents and community members uh, in, 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 in the education of, of, of their child. But the manner in which uh, our communities and society have also been troubled is also, also find expression in how learners are savagely, savagely attacking each other in our mm-hmm, schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they learn this behavior in our communities. Uh, some from even family, uh, and then they, they find that this, this behavior find expression in the schooling environment. So that is why we continue to call communities also to work hand in glove with the department. Uh, in Nisizulu, we normally say 
imfundo inkomwesengwa livi so it it takes all of us to make sure that we deliver quality education so it will take educators in the classroom or at a schooling environment but beyond the schooling premises parents and community members must take active interest in the education of their children I'll come back to that, but let me go quickly to Big Boy, who's been very patient with us, calling us from Johannesburg. Big Boy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks so much for calling, Big Boy. Um, uh, my my challenge with this kind of development, which sounds brilliant, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, when you look at, uh, uh, well, our constitution says everyone has got the right to education, mm-hmm. which which is quite interesting. And then you look at the differences between uh, the dispensation of education between the rural areas and the urban areas. We have seen that all the times people who live in urban areas or say areas which are developed have always had an upper hand with access to all these kind of uh, uh, teaching aids as they would have access to water, electricity, access to schools, I mean, the getting to schools easily, uh, securing the teachers for science and, and uh, technology or, say, science and mathematics. That has always been easy with, the, uh, with, with uh, securing teaching aids in the, in the uh, developed areas. And also looking at the downgrading of pass marks which has been done by our system. And now you compare with this kind of space age advancements, which we have in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. It tends to protect up me, it tends to surprise me how we would achieve equally and give everyone the education which was, will be equal across the whole country. It ends up really giving further advantage to the advantaged schools to the schools which were advantaged during the upper state, mm. to the schools which have, uh, uh, which do have access to learning, uh, having study, uh, having education online, etc. Today, yet if we look back to our grassroots, rural areas stand a serious big advantage, and therefore my question is. How do you make sure that the kid in that rural area where there's no bridge to cross mm. in order to get to the school mm. on time mm. gets equally mm-hmm. education which we have developed to uh, you are having planned yeah. to such extent? Yeah, it's an excellent question, Big Boy. I appreciate that. And let me see. You know, we spoke a little bit earlier also about the fact that you you are in in, a, in an environment in a province that is predominantly rural and I've seen it for myself where yes the school is fantastic the child loves learning the parents want them to go but then there are other issues in the community you know there is no bridge when it rains there are no streets there are no um, roads to get to school and, and your response to that the, the first thing is, is, is to appreciate the in the fact that uh, the disparities between education in rural and township areas as uh, compared to the uh, urban areas was deliberately designed. Um, and that included resources that were invested in this course. Um, those in rural areas and in township were neglected because um, they were populated by 
by, by black and African people in particular, whom in the past, they were never regarded as human. Uh, and they were not uh, recognized as deserving people in terms of skills and uh, absorption by the economy. They were designed to, to be just uh, laborers of a particular race, uh, the white race in particular. And uh, the socioeconomic conditions uh, in these areas also uh, are reflected in, in a schooling environment. What is missing in society obviously will be missing at a, at, at a school level. That is why we are taking an integrated approach as was well the Natal government in terms of development. You will have seen uh, us working with Department of, um, of Transport and the SNDF in building some of the bridges uh, that, uh, that will have now enable learners to cross easily and to reach schools uh, that are nearby. Because uh, we realize that uh, if you continue to have education pulling in one direction, Department of Transport to another, we are going to have a disjointed development that will, that will be meaningless. Uh, to the people of the province. So as part of addressing those historical uh, disadvantages of, of, of communities in rural and urban areas, and, and, and not urban, and, and township areas, we are working now in an integrated manner as, as, as departments in, in the provincial government so that when you build, for example, a school here, there's also a clinic nearby. There are roads that are being cut or properly uh, graveled by by Department of Transport and every services are found in, in, in the area. So that it also encourages educators uh, to to go to rural areas because there are proper amenities, there's a proper environment to, to live in. Uh, because one of the challenges that we face uh, is that most of the educators don't want to go to rural areas because the conditions are poor. Mm-hmm. So we need to, 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 to work together to, to make sure that we, we improve those conditions. One of the, of the examples that I can also give is that uh, there are schools in the province that don't have water. They are mm-hmm. not connected to municipal water. Mm-hmm. What we have done so that uh, the school has water every day is to is to go underground and build poles, uh, so that the school can have a, at least an uninterrupted supply of water, because water is life. More so under these conditions, so you can't rely on water on municipal tankering, which is sometimes um, erratic in the provision of water. So this. These are developments that uh, we, are, we, are, we are rolling out to try and make our schools a habitable environment. MEC, why are we still talking about access to working laboratories? Why are we still here? Why are we still talking about getting laboratories up and running in 2021? You, you know, there is always a time, a difference between what is desired and what becomes practically possible. And we always encourage that. We need to find a, a balance with regard to that. Uh, we are clear as to what is it that we want to, to achieve in so far as our schools is concerned. But what then becomes a challenge is what resources that are available for us to achieve what we have set for ourselves or what we envision as, as part of our schools. You know, this financial year was $6 billion less as Department of Education mm. uh, compared to last year. And this is going to affect... <laughs> Uh, our our delivery, uh, even on on the time frame as well as the number of things that they wanted to roll out uh, in the province. So w- where have having you taken away that, the money? Where, where have you lessened your resources? Uh, the, the money was taken by by the, by the national treasury as part of the budget cut. I understand. I'm I'm saying yeah. then where, where have you been able to maneuver then? Um, because you know removing that money means that you also have to remove it somewhere. That, that, that is the major challenge because uh, we, we now are, for example, struggling to have uh, 
the educate the number of educators that we have in mm. that we need to have in class mm. because uh, there's no money to pay them. <laughs> we have had to reduce the number of new schools that we are going to build. Mm. Uh, we have had to reduce the number of schools that we are targeted to in terms of investment for mm. these latest um, uh, technological uh, gadgets that mm. we want to deploy in our schools. Mm. So we are cutting uh, on a number of strategic projects so that we don't have the whole department collapsing. But what becomes painful is the fact that uh, it will now be a reality in the province because of this budget cut, that we'll have a class that will not have a teacher uh, mm. or even a substitute teacher. You know what happens at times mm. is that uh, we'll have a teacher, for example, who will take maternity leave yes, for four months. Yes, yes. And uh, we'll have to replace that teacher with what with a person we call the substitute mm, educator mm, mm, for four months. Mm. Now we no longer have money for substitute educators. Sure. So it will. It's a tightrope. It's a tightrope because I mean th- those children need somebody to stand in front of the class and still exactly. continue teaching. MEC, we've run out of time. I can't believe it. We've been speaking for almost an hour. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Um, really, thank you for your time. And we'll make this information available to, to our listeners on all social media platforms. But I really appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Thank you very much for hosting us. Uh, we'll always be available for further engagement. Thank you so much. MEC of Education in KZN, MEC Kwasim Shengo.